freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome one and all. You are listening to What on Earth is Happening right here on the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. This show is live every Sunday from 5 to 7 p.m. East Coast time. That's 4 to 6 p.m. Central time. My website is whatonearthishappening.com, the network's website, oraclebroadcasting.com. Today is Sunday, February 5th, 2012. We have a great show lined up for you here today, and we're going to be having a very special guest on for all two hours, starting with the next segment, Mr. Fernando Salguero, who is a water purification expert and a specialist in survival tactics. Fernando is the host of the meetup.com group Survive and Thrive right here in the Philadelphia area, which meets on a regular basis here in Philadelphia to teach uh, survival skills. It's a survival skill sharing group. Okay. And on the show today, we'll be discussing techniques and technologies for water purification and the critical role that water plays in our everyday lives. And this is part of our ongoing solution oriented approaches. Last week, we talked about food, and we're not finished with that topic. We're going to get into it a lot more in coming weeks. Today, it's water purification, and you're going to see that this gentleman is one of the foremost experts on that topic. So that's coming up in the next segment. I do have a couple of quick event announcements that I want to uh, read off. The first thing is that the Red Ice interview with uh, Henrik Palmgren that I did uh, a couple of weeks back uh, is still not posted to the site. I announced last week that it would be posted to Red Ice. It looks like there's a couple of people in the queue for new guests uh, right before me, but if you go to the radio show page on Red Ice Creations, you will be able to see that I'm in the queue. I think I'm third in the list. So look for that in about a week or so, probably. I, I would say within a few days to a week, but it will be posted posted there soon. Uh, tomorrow, February 6th, I will be interviewed on the radio show Two Gar One Fee uh, with uh, Franco Huard and um, his other co-hosts. This is on the Radio H2O network out of Montreal. So um, check that out. I'll post some links tomorrow for the show. And um, next week, February 12th, 
uh, I will be interviewing Franco Huard from the radio show Tugara One Fee on What on Earth is Happening, and our topic will be present moment awareness. Um, also, the Truth, Freedom, Prosperity Group will be hosting their free documentary screening and discussion night at the end of this month, Wednesday, February 29th at 7.15 p.m. at Media Bureau Studios. Media Bureau is at 4th and Brown in the Northern Liberty section of Philadelphia. This month, we will be screening Michael Tessarion's Architects of Control documentary. So definitely look out for that one. Come on out if you want to learn all about the techniques of mind control and who these architects of this system of control are and what they're all about. That's coming up February 29th at Media Bureau Studios. For more information, visit truthfreedomprosperity.org. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back. Stay asleep, obey. When he looks at it with his eyes, it's what we see. When he looks at it with the sunglasses, he's seeing the same things all the way through. The subliminal symbolically you couldn't see. Obey, no independent thought. Don't think to yourself. Welcome back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Let's jump right into it with our special guest for this episode. Fernando Salguero, welcome to What on Earth is Happening. Thank you, Mr. Passio. So, um, we're going to talk a lot about water purification today. We're going to talk about the technologies involved. We're going to talk about what kind of technologies you recommend or don't recommend. But uh, let's start out with uh, you telling the listeners a little bit about your background. You're a big activist. You're a big activist. We're getting a little bit of feedback on the line right here. Um, I'm not sure where that's coming from, but uh, let's see if we could mitigate that. Um, okay. Uh, you're a big activist. No, it's still... Fernando, are you hearing that feedback? Hello? Not sure if we just lost him. Hold on, folks. We'll try to sort out these technical difficulties. Um, let's see if I can pick up Fernando. I'll drop him and pick him back up. Bear with us. Fernando, are you there? I am here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, great. So, I was saying that you're an activist in the Philadelphia area, and you also host the uh, meetup group called Survive and Thrive, which uh, teaches a, uh, a set, a big, huge set of survival skills to people completely for free. You meet up very, very um, um, often in the Philadelphia area in the Northern Liberty section of the city at uh, Liberty's Pub on a, a bi-monthly basis, I believe it is. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your background and how you got involved in doing uh, what you do now. Okay. Uh, simply put, I was born to a junkie of a single mother. I was dragged from, uh, from shitty house to shitty house, uh, often living in a squalid conditions, um, uh, often with uh, no heat in the wintertime, living as squatters most of, a lot of time, 
uh, no heat in the winter, no running water, no electricity, obviously no telephone. Um, uh, so I had to, at an early age, um, uh, really deal with a lot of violence, both from within and without the home, uh, inside and outside of the home. Um, because I was uh, very much a loner and an independent thinker, I was frequently targeted for violence uh, on in some of the worst neighborhoods in, in the city uh, that we lived in. Um, so I've been on my own since I was 15. Uh, thankfully, with the judicious medicine work, uh, the usage of, of LSD as medicine, I've been able to uh, uh, rewire my neural network, elevate my consciousness, um, and I have been a do-gooder of one sort or another since I was uh, 15 or so. Um, and I've, I've somehow always tried to, to champion the underdog. Uh, so working with environmental groups, political groups, um, I've done a lot of uh, uh, homeless outreach and animal work and just a lot of stuff that I just try to make it a better world than, than what I was born into. And that's ultimately what it's all about is taking action and getting involved, not just learning about the things that are wrong with this world, but taking uh, tangible measures to correct those wrongdoings and to actually bring balance about through our actions. It's all about ultimately taking action. I could tell you Fernando definitely does take action. So um, let's get into what got you into um, uh, your current line of work. You, you work in so that, water purification. What I, what I was just explaining was that um, uh, my, uh, my, my, my do-gooder, whatever it was, uh, uh, savior complex, Christ complex, however we, Christ consciousness, uh, whatever it is that I'm uh, striving for, uh, brought me into uh, working for Clean Water Action, which is an environmental political group working to hold politicians accountable for their actions, uh, help make polluters clean up their own messes. Uh, that's where I got my start in water testing and understanding the dynamics that happen within water, right. understanding broader uh, issues with uh, um, uh, water chemistry or the chemistry that goes into water these days. So that really broadened my understanding. Um, about 15 years ago, I began to work for a water treatment company, um, and my my vocation is uh, I am a water treatment specialist. I, I have a laboratory of my own, um, self-employed, and I, what I do is I go out, I test people's water for a wide variety of contaminants and then help uh, uh, first off diagnose what the problems are and then tailor a solution and, uh, and, and help set them up with a solution. Great. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what kind of contaminants currently exist in water that we uh, turn on on our taps every day? Uh, what kind of contaminants are in there in the water that we shower in, in the water that we drink, in the water that we use to cook, etc.? What are the kinds of contaminants that exist in water? Well, I think it, at this point it would be prudent to take a step back from that, Mark, and really take a look at what water is. Sure. Because water has, uh, as all things do, physical and metaphysical properties. And they're not clearly understood um, one way or the other exclusively. 
but, but they really have to be understood in, in combination. So some of the physical properties of water include um, essentially all that water ever does is carry different forms of energy through space. Now you think about that for a moment. Different forms of energy through space. It carries. So it carries matter. When we wash our hands, brush our teeth, flush our toilets, uh, water is carrying things away for us. Right. If we're hot on a summer day and we sweat, our, our, our DNA has uh, uses water to, to, to dissipate heat. We cool off. When we jump into a pool and instantly all that thermal energy is dissipated, carried away. Now, the human body is made 70% of water, but the brain itself is 90% water. Now, this is not in, in, insignificant. Uh, the planet itself is covered 70% of water. And as current science understands it, water itself is extraterrestrial. Now, this is important. As science currently understands it, uh, the Earth was a, uh, a, a, a molten iron uh, spinning with, uh, with, 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 with what we would call magma. Um, and it was just this angry, boiling rock. Fernando, hold it right there. We're coming up to a break. We'll continue this on the other side. Our special guest for this edition of What on Earth is Happening, water purification expert, Fernando Salguero. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. We're talking with water purification expert, Fernando Salguero. Fernando, you were uh, getting into um, what with water actually is. Nature of water and its Yes, what it does and the possible uh, origins of water on this planet. So why don't you continue with that? Okay, so very simply, uh, the Earth was a spinning ball of iron and magma. Uh, uh, the, the collection of, if, if you follow the Big Bang Theory, or at least to one degree or another, uh, the, um, uh, this is all the stuff of stars. So part of the manufacturing of, the, of our sun, of our star, uh, there's byproducts that include H2O comets. And in fact, uh, the, H2, the water comets, the ice comets, smacked into the Earth, uh, cooling the surface of the Earth to a crust, while it's still keeping it uh, uh, boiling on the inside. Uh, the, uh, the steam process combined with the electromagnetic force of the spinning iron in the center of the earth um, uh, created what we know to be uh, the levels of our sky, the atmosphere, ionosphere, stratosphere, on out from there, uh, the, the blanket. Um, so all forms of life that we know of on earth require water to live. Uh, and water itself did not come from the earth itself. So it is by definition extraterrestrial. So again, water only has one basic power. No matter what it's doing, it is moving different forms of energy from one place in space to another place in space, whether it's thermal energy, uh, bioelectrochemical, uh, 
And this, this is where we need to talk about DNA, the role of DNA. DNA is a living code that takes food, a matter, and uses water to rearrange those molecules to create new cells. So uh, we all know that we shed hair and skin cells. We shed billions of skin cells a day. But we don't think about so much the fact that we're also shedding heart cells and liver cells and kidney cells and bones. So our DNA is constantly self-replicating these codes. Uh, it's a self-replicating code, and it uses water to distribute. Now, it uses water to carry the good stuff through us, like oxygen, nutrients, antibodies. But it also, it uses water to carry the toxins and waste out of us. Also, it uses water uh, through the central nervous system. So the brain, again, is 90% water uh, because of its conductivity to be able to communicate, uh, to travel uh, with electrical signals, chemical signals. Uh, we are this big biochemical uh, mechanism. So understand that water carries things and it, that it starts to do that on a molecular level, H2O. Now that's a very difficult level for most folks to imagine how small that really is. But um, water has some very interesting properties. And one of those properties is it's uh, it, it, it has no choice but to erode things, dissolve things, put things into solution. And so water always, on the earth, water always follows a path of least resistance. So when it rains, rain hits the ground, snow melts, and it will, it will creep along and it'll either go rivers, lakes, streams, it'll be all surface water, or if it's easier, it soaks underground, becomes groundwater. Uh, but... Anyone who's ever had a leak in the basement or a leak in the roof knows that water will find a way. Uh, so the contaminants that are picked up now are very different than the contaminants that people have dealt with for millennia. Uh, we're no longer just drinking out of puddles and streams, dealing with natural rock, dirt, and even natural biological uh, issues. Right. We're, we're dealing with a lot more complex chemistry, more complex than most people can actually wrap their minds around. Uh, a few things that we should think about. Uh, the number one cause of water pollution in the United States alone is nitrate contamination. Now, they're all rotting organic materials, uh, things that once were alive but are no longer and they're decaying. So that can be leaves and sticks, but also uh, most of the nitrates in the U.S. water supply are coming from human and animal feces. Animal feces. Let's look at factory farming. Hog farms, dairy farms, chicken farms attack mainstream Americans, refrigerators, uh, uh, all that manure is constantly running off. It's considered ag uh, ag farm runoff, so they don't have to clean up the chicken poop. And so there's a lot of nitrate contamination from that. Also, we all flush our toilets. And so when the water comes, our sewage water is cleaned basically the same way all over the country. They run the water through different size net filters to take out larger chunks from the sewage. Then they run the water through gravel filters. Then they run the water through sand filters. They pour a few other chemicals in, including chlorine. Kills off all the fecal coliform and the gut bacteria. And then our treated sewage water, clean to minimum federal standards, is released downstream. And it goes on downstream to other folks. Thing is, we all live downstream from someone else. So their sewage water and everything that goes into it has an impact. So human and animal feces, number one cause of water pollution. Second largest cause of water pollution in the United States are household cleaners. 
soaps, detergents, lotions, shampoo, cleansers, conditioners, toilet bowl cleaners. So most folks don't think about the Tylex content of their water. How many scrubbing bubble chemicals from DuPont are in, you know, getting into their pasta and their rice when they boil it. A lot of people think that boiling water makes things disappear, but it doesn't. It just cooks germs to be dead. So household cleaners, second biggest cause of water pollution. Um, the fastest growing form of water pollution in the United States are pharmaceuticals. Now, Mark, you've heard of folks, uh, you've heard the, of, of drugs in the water before, haven't you? Of course. We've actually talked about this on uh, the shows that we did on food and drugs, uh, talking about how the overuse of these uh, different pharmaceuticals uh, ultimately makes its way into the, uh, the, the water supply, and then we end up drinking that and taking in those in lower dosages, but chronically over a long period of time. And, and what's your understanding as to how the pharmaceuticals get into the water in the first place? Uh, I don't really have too much of an understanding of that. Why don't you enlighten us, uh, myself, and the listeners? Well, uh, a lot of folks are under the misconception that it's old pills that get flushed down the toilet mm -hmm. uh, when they expire. Uh, but the reality is that most people ingest their drugs. And so, again, with humans and animals, you got to think about big agriculture. Right. Big agriculture uses um, uh, anti uh, antibiotics to sure. Pus content in the milk supply, or or cut down on different kinds of diseases. Uh, also, steroid use is rampant for commercial agriculture. Um, but what people take on a daily basis—I mean, hormones, steroids, birth control, antibiotics, antipsychotics, antidepressants—today alone, on this day, there are tens of millions of children in the United States that are taking some sort of psychotropic. ADD, or autism, something under the autism spectrum. So Ritalin or Adderall or Abilify, or there's a lot of them. And every time those kids go potty, they urinate all the drugs out. All drugs pass through the humans and animals that ingest them. So that's important. Now, when, when, when the drugs come out of our bodies, they either come out metabolized, which is broken down to smaller parts, or they pass through unmetabolized, uh, and our excretory system just pushes the drug out whole. Um, now, there are no long-term studies on chronic low-dose exposure, but the reality is that there is chronic low-dose exposure on the American people for all pharmaceuticals. Another interesting point is the, uh, the body within the federal government that is supposed to look out for our best interest, the EPA, Actually, uh, they set the maximum contaminant levels for what's in public drinking water. And through the uh, a very aggressive lobbying efforts of the uh, pharmaceutical companies, those, those uh, pharmaceuticals are never sought for in the maximum contaminant level. Water Fern Fernando, hold it right there. We're coming up to another break. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more from Fernando Salguero talking about water purification.
Welcome back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Let's jump right back into it with water purification expert Fernando Salguero, who was discussing uh, contaminants in our water and how they get there. So uh, we just touched uh, briefly on the pharmaceutical aspect that uh, is actually kept off of the national radar by the pharmaceutical lobby. Uh, the EPA and, um, you know, it's the same with the, the, the relationship between Monsanto and the FDA. Uh, the EPA and large polluters have uh, a lot of uh, people in common and a lot of interests in common that don't include necessarily the health of the uh, people as a whole. Yes. So there's that aspect of it that we should be mindful of. And then in addition to that, you have every other thing. I mean, you know... Each of our cars and trucks, all of us who drive, fossil fuel-run vehicles, all that fuel we put in one way, all those thousands and thousands of gallons over the years, all of it doesn't just disappear. It just breaks down to smaller parts and goes up into the atmosphere. So in the United States alone, from our cars and trucks, we put tens of billions of tons of uh, of uh, heavy metal-laden, um, toxin-laden uh, smoke into the air and all that gets rained out because again water only has one power now for as long as it has rained water has purified air that is the natural order on this planet uh that water purifies air pulls the pollen pulls the dust out so now it's pulling out all the pollutants uh from our from our manufacturing um you know and you know the, the, the commercials running there for fukushima you know and 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 a lot of the filters that that sell these that sell on radio shows uh, oftentimes don't actually perform as well as uh, as well as you'd like them to. Um, I've tested big Berkey water filters, and they've consistently come up lacking. I've tested a wide variety of uh, filters that get sold, uh, like Brita pitchers, refrigerator filters, uh, faucet mounted filters, and they consistently mislead the American people uh, by improving taste and odor. Unfortunately. That's where most people's consciousness uh, lies. Is they believe that you know if they can see a difference, smell a difference, taste a difference, then there is a significant difference, and there's not. Uh, the majority of those filters that I, the brand filters that I just rattled off uh, do little or nothing to remove uh, uh, many of the contaminants. They just improve taste and odor, and so the American people are often suckered by their aesthetic. So you have insecticides and pesticides and all the trash that any of us has ever thrown away sitting in a landfill somewhere. If it didn't go to a trash to steam plant where they burned it, uh, then it's sitting in a landfill somewhere. And landfills are big holes in the ground and they have liners on the bottom of them. And those liners um, have holes in, the, in, the, in them so that the water itself does not fill up in the landfill and make you know, a big, a big few days of rain, you know, and, and your average landfill could turn into a big stew pot of human trash and all that you know, batteries and paint cans and baby diapers and everything. Um, uh, so what happens is landfills have holes to allow the water to strain out. So leaking landfills, a leachate it's called, uh, is a huge source of water pollution. And then you know, we just keep throwing our trash away. They come along once or twice a week, pick it up, and we don't have to see it. It's out of out of sight, out of mind, but it's 
not out of our reality. And so I think that more and more people are becoming aware uh, through the good works of people like yourself. And, and there are others uh, that are out there working to um, improve the state of consciousness uh, for mind, body, and soul. And in my own small way, that's what I also try to work to do is, is, uh, is help improve consciousness. Excellent. Fernando, can you address things that are deliberately added to the water supply in municipal water systems? And uh, after we address those things, I want to talk about solutions. What technologies would you recommend and how those technologies actually work to effectively uh, filtrate water? So uh, talk about things that are deliberately added uh, to uh, municipal water supplies. Okay. Well, uh, the, the one that obviously is going to come to mind, especially for listeners of this show, would be, uh, would be fluoride. Okay, so sodium fluoride is, uh, um, is, a, is, a, is a molecule that will attach itself to the what are called caries, the microscopic cavities on the enamel of the teeth, and will actually essentially work like a bit of spackle over a small hole in a, in, a, in a hole in the wall. So a small hole can be spackled over and it won't continue to grow bigger and bigger. So there's surface contact benefit for fluoride with, with uh, the enamel of the teeth. Uh, unfortunately, um, Alcoa, a large aluminum manufacturing uh, refining corporation, uh, uh, back in the 50s, realized that uh, there were some studies that linked fluoride to the benefits, benefits to the teeth. What they did is they hired Edward Bernays, the father of modern, modern uh, public relations, and um, they wanted to sell their waste product. You see, when they, when they mine aluminum out of the ground, they have to separate the pure aluminum ore from other impurities that include sodium fluoride, which is so highly toxic. It's actually more toxic than lead. Uh, and so they hired a PR firm that hired a bunch of dentists and helped to rewrite textbooks to sell sodium fluoride to be put into the water, uh, water supplies for the American people. Uh, over time, we've seen that there's been negligible impact on the uh, dental benefits. In fact, the, uh, the American Medical Association has actually recently come out uh, to, to remove fluoride from the water for infants and toddlers um, because it is not a vitamin fluoride does not ever help the the dna doesn't put your fluoride to put fluoride to use the dna does whatever it can to get rid of it but uh through the excretory system but the um the damage that can be done uh the carcinogenic uh the impact of of fluoride is intense it's related to bone cancer and there are also other studies that show that fluoride calcifies the pineal gland. Now, the pineal gland is key because it is, in fact, the physical manifestation of our third eye. And uh, the pineal gland is loaded with rod and cone cells. It's the most, one of the most complex uh, chemical manufacturing plants in the brain. Uh, it is not fully understood by science at this point in time, but it is very important. Uh, and I personally believe that the pineal gland is the seat of the soul, the, the connection port in which the, in the eternal consciousness, uh, divine spark of, 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 
consciousness that we all are riding a wave of some sort where it actually plugs into the meat suit. Uh, I believe that the pineal gland is the seat of the soul uh, from which the mind is operated and then the body is operated. I I totally agree. And uh, that's why this, this attack is ongoing. This deliberate attack is ongoing against the awakening of consciousness by trying to damage and, and hold back the pineal gland within the brain. And that is done. One of the methods that that is done through is the fluoridation of water supplies. Right. And, and the fact that, uh, you know, if you take a look, it's not really divergent from our topic. If you take a look at uh, the federal schedule of illegal substances, uh, on, on the schedule one, the most illegal substances are those that empower the mind. LSD, DMT, which is manufactured, dimethyltryptamine, is an endogenous brain chemical manufactured uh, uh, most likely by the pineal gland, also may be manufactured in the lungs. Uh, but, but dimethyltryptamine is an incredibly important uh, uh, neuro, uh, uh, neurochemical uh, that is linked to human consciousness. And I personally believe is the master key for unlocking human consciousness. But so schedule one drugs include uh, LSD, psilocybin, MDMA, and DMT. Whereas then the schedule two, not quite as illegal, are the ones that hurt us the most and often get imported uh, by the CIA, FBI, other alphabet soup agencies um, for covert funding and whatever it is that they're doing. But the coke and the heroin uh, that get funneled into inner cities, uh, the fact that we're guarding and, and you know, uh, poppy production in Afghanistan has jumped. I believe it's now at 700% from before we invaded Afghanistan. Uh, Incredible. Fernando, we're coming up to another break. On the other side, I'd like you to address chlorine and chlorine derivatives as contaminants in water. Great. Stay with us, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening with our special guest, Fernando Salguero. We'll be right back after these words. Welcome back. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. Today on the show, we are talking with water purification expert, Fernando Salguero. And Fernando, we were talking about all of the different contaminants in our water. We just kind of wrapped up talking about fluoride, but I wanted you to touch on chlorine and chlorine derivatives. Sure. Uh, The two main, main, uh, first off, when your city tap water uh, is treated, uh, what they do is they take it from the source, whatever river, lake, stream. Uh, they run the water through different sized net filters to take out leaves, sticks, trash, and animals. Uh, you'd be surprised how many, aside from wild animals, actually a lot of uh, pets, uh, when folks don't have the money or inclination to bury their animals or if the vet bills are too much, uh, the water treatment the guys who work in the plants, that's what seems to freak them out the most, is the stream of cats and dogs that they see. Um, 
But uh, so they run the water through net filters, then they run the water through large gravel filters, then through fine sand filters, and then they pour in a disinfectant. Most of the time, it's chlorine. Uh, chlorine is a um, very powerful toxic chemical that will kill microorganisms. And this is a cheap and easy way to uh, sterilize the water. And water sterilization is important. I mean, on an average day on this planet, there are 34,000 babies that die, usually from dysentery or diarrhea. They, they get a case of diarrhea. They, their mothers can't stop uh, from, from drinking infected water, okay? Microorganisms that are attacking a small, underdeveloped immune system. Um, and so the babies can't handle it, and they often die in their mother's arms. That's 34,000 times a day. So water disinfection is important to maintain your homeostasis. How it's disinfected also matters. So chlorine is a cheap and dirty way to do it. Uh, it also leaves a strong smell behind. So oftentimes those municipalities that are using or, or, or water companies, many of us don't realize that we're actually paying the bills to a company with publicly traded stock. Uh, so their profit motives, they do the least amount they can, they charge as much as they can for it. So after they pour chlorine in, they'll add ammonia, and that will actually help to gas or off-gas the smell. So you won't smell it as much, but there'll still be a lot of chlorine in the tap water. And they put enough chlorine in the line from the beginning to make sure that even with dissipation, there's plenty of chlorine at the end of the line. Some municipalities and water companies have switched over to a hybrid chemical called chloramine, and that is basically a bonded chlorine and ammonia molecule. Uh, also disinfecting. Now, there are a lot of other ways to disinfect water. Sunlight, ultraviolet light filters, um, uh, ozonation is a safe and healthy way to do it. But in the United States, at least, we are, uh, we are uh, grounded and grandfathered in with uh, old and dirty ways to get things done. As I understand it also, uh, Fernando, chlorine is one of the things that will damage the lining of the arteries uh, and create heart disease by making uh, molecules such as cholesterol stick into the artery walls. Uh, have you heard this research? Fernando, are you still there? Did we lose him again? Alright, hold on. I'm going to drop Fernando and try to pick him up again. I apologize, ladies and gentlemen. Hold on. Bear with us. Fernando, I think we lost you. Are you back? Are you having an issue? Yes, there, there you are. I'm sorry. Okay, I'll repeat the question. I, I was saying, are you familiar with uh, the fact that it is uh, shown that chlorine yeah. is one of the most dangerous compounds to put into the body because of what it will do to the arteries specifically the arteries around the heart which will become grooved as chlorine molecules pass through the bloodstream and they will create grooving along the inner walls of the arteries and that will uh, allow cholesterol which would ordinarily pass unobstructed through the artery uh, through the arteries to stick in these grooves that are created in the artery walls yeah. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. You're, you're back. Okay. You're fine. Well, you did a pretty good job of summarizing it right there. Uh, that's exactly what happens. The chlorine etches 
the arterial walls and, and, and enables the arterial plaque to build up. Um, and that's what uh, causes the hardening of arteries, uh, which leads to heart attack, different kinds of heart disease. So that's true. Now, another thing that people don't realize is we take more chemicals, especially chlorine. We take more chemicals into our skin with 10 minutes in a hot shower or a warm bath than we, if we were to drink one gallon of tap water. Within 10 minutes through dermal absorption, uh, we, we, soak in, um, we soak in those chemicals. Uh, a really neat way experiment, you can do this for yourself, is grab a pool test kit. Take two glasses of warm water out of your tap and uh, stick fingers down into one of the glasses, like three fingers, and let them soak for about two minutes. And then you pull your fingers out. Then if you put the equal amount of the OTO, the chemical that turns yellow, with a chlorine test kit, you put equal amounts of, uh, of, of, the, of that chemical, OTO, into both glasses, you will see that the chlorine is almost completely removed from the glass that had fingers soaking in it for two minutes. So dermal absorption is a very real, ongoing um, reality that our bodies do and deal with. Uh, so chlorine absorption, you know, a lot of folks think about their water and their health related just through their uh, what they directly use for consumption, um, but don't recognize how it relates to their pasta, their rice, their showers, their uh, the detergent residue that doesn't get rinsed off properly, that's left on the dishes, different contaminants that are on the dishes. Um, you know, people don't see it clearly, and so they don't think about it very clearly as a general rule. There are also things to watch out for in the future. Uh, it's my understanding that there are various lobbying efforts uh, to put lithium in the water supply in different parts, and there may in fact already be parts of this country that have lithium in the water. There's also, um, there's also, as I understand it, an effort by the company uh, Eli Lilly, who manufactures uh, Lipitor, the number one, that is the number one selling pharmaceutical in the country. Um, that there's an effort to put Lipitor into the water supply and this to help is, regulate the country's cholesterol level. Let's clarify for the listeners. This is a statin. Yes. And what this what this does is uh, explain what what a statin does and how this is dangerous. Because as I understand it, statins decrease the uh, Q uh, CoQ10 enzyme, and that is what regulates the beating of the human heart. Exactly. So there are a lot of, again, you did a good job summarizing, you know, there's a lot of ground for us to cover here. Sure. But, uh, but the, the statin drugs uh, are excreted through the urine, and so statins are in the sewage water supply, and so other folks are drinking them that way. Uh, and then if this, uh, if this, uh, if this uh, uh, move gets through, you know, through lobbying, you know, it might sound crazy to some folks, oh, how would that ever happen? Yeah, well, we can look at a lot of things that happen uh, that seem crazy, and yet they're going on. Um, the, you know, there's also uh, one other thing I wanted to touch on with fluoride before we get away from different contaminants. Sure. Is the fluoride is a, uh, is, is a component in um, a number of antidepressants, including Zoloft and Paxil. Uh, fluoride has been put into the water supply in high doses to control 
uh, groups of people in the past. It's been used um, uh, by the uh, by uh, during the, the Bolshevik Revolution when they would uh, send folks off to Siberian work camps uh, to keep their heads down, keep their spirits down, keep them off center. Um, also, in the uh, uh, prisoner of war camps in Nazi Germany, the German officers, the German soldiers, had a different water supply from the Jews, and it wasn't just because one, you know, they didn't want to cross contaminate with, you know, whatever their philosophies were uh, about what, why they hated Jews, but it was it was specifically so that the fluoride would not impact the German soldier and interrupt uh, his mastery. Uh, and keep the keep the Jews and the communists and everyone else who is rounded up uh, as passive as possible. That's a great place to take a break. We're going to be back for the second hour where we will be getting into solutions, specifically how can we clean up our water that we drink, that we take into our body, that we shower in, that we bathe in. On the other side of this break, water purification expert Fernando Salguero is our special guest on this edition of What on Earth is Happening. Stay with us, everyone. Welcome back, folks. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Today on the show, our special guest is Fernando Salguero, water, purifica- water purification expert and also a specialist in survival tactics. Fernando is the host of the meetup.com group Survive and Thrive. I'll be posting the links for that. Actually, we can give the link. It's actually meetup.com slash survive and thrive Philadelphia region, but you have to put dashes between all of the words, okay? If you type that into uh, your URL uh, um, field in your browser, you'll get right to the Meetup page. You could also simply go to meetup.com and do a search for Survive and Thrive Philadelphia, and it will uh, be the first uh, uh, search result returned by meetup.com. So um, we got into all the contaminants in water in this uh, hour, we're going to be talking about how we can clean up our water, purif- water purification techniques and technologies. Before we do that, I want to give the call-in number because we're also going to open up the phone lines later in this uh, hour for Fernando. So the call-in number to the show is 866-841-1065. Once again, the call-in number 866 866- 841-1065. Give us a call. Get in the queue. We'll uh, get to the calls a little bit later after we've had some time to talk about water purification techniques and technologies. Fernando, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the technologies that you recommend that we can employ in order to get these contaminants out of the water that we drink, bathe, and shower in? Okay, so let's just start by getting a few things out of the way. And those would be Brita pitchers, refrigerator filters, uh, faucet-mounted uh, filters like the Pure, uh, also the big Berkeys. Um, uh, most of those things uh, will consistently fail. Um, also, uh, water softeners. Most folks, uh, if you've ever heard of a water softener, what they do is they pour salt into the water. Essentially, there's a heavy sodium residue 
Uh, it actually generates a level of chlorine. Uh, so they're actually not good for people to drink because the elevated sodium over time uh, uh, is related to heart disease, hypertension, these sorts of things. So focusing in on what actually works are two things you need to pay attention to. One is a very high quality of uh, multi-stage filtration with a backwash. This is important. Any filter that doesn't have a level of backwashing of uh, separation of clean water and dirty water into different directions is going to end up failing you, or, or uh, whether you realize it or not, it will end up failing you. The, the, so, for example, um, the only reliable technology uh, for a, a, a man, uh, what's called a physical um, uh, cleansing of the water uh, as, as opposed to the chemical uh, when you do a, or when you actually break down the water molecules, uh, you can either distill water or treat it through reverse osmosis. Now, reverse osmosis is a set of filters that include very fine paper. Usually, it's a multi-stage, like three or five different stages for reverse osmosis. And the pre, uh, the, the beginning stages are usually very tight, very, um, very tightly wound paper. Uh, very tightly spun paper um, and carbon filters to remove chemicals. So you have particulates and chemicals coming out, and then it pushes the water uh, through membrane. And essentially, it's like a skin that is tightly wrapped. And uh, only, essentially, at the end of the day, it's only the water molecules that will get through. Fernando, hold it right there. This is the short segment at the beginning of the hour. We'll pick this up on the other side of this next break. Not a problem. Talking with water purification expert Fernando Salguero. We'll be and right chatting, back. chatting online. Exactly. Get into the chat on the What on Earth is Happening radio show page, folks. We'll be right back after these words. Welcome back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. Today on the show, we're talking with water purification expert, Fernando Salguero. Fernando, you were just getting into what reverse osmosis is all about and how it works. Would you like to continue that? Sure. Now, there are different grades of uh, functionality for reverse osmosis and different grades of efficiency for reverse osmosis. So an inefficient reverse osmosis system will produce one gallon of water uh, for every uh, five or six gallons of wastewater. That's a very inefficient system. Um, most reverse osmosis systems that you can pick up um, at uh, big box retailers like Home Depot or Lowe's uh, for a few hundred dollars, uh, generally speaking, they will produce one gallon of water and then about three or four gallons of wastewater. Uh, the high-efficiency reverse osmosis systems uh, are at a one-to-one-and-a-half ratio. Um, now, reverse osmosis, basically, it squeezes the water molecules through these filters that are so small that it, uh, essentially only the H2O is what actually makes it through. Um, there are incredibly, min- like, 
uh, a good reverse osmosis system will remove 99.999% of, uh, of impurities. Um, uh, pharmaceutical grade water, uh, which is maybe triple distilled, uh, that's going to be very uh, uh, difficult for your body to deal with and it will leach out minerals. But basic distilled water and basic uh, reverse osmosis water uh, will not have that negative impact on people's health. That's one of the topics coming up on the chat box uh, here, and, and we're talking about that. Great. Live. The, um, uh, the RO system that uh, I have installed in my house has a um, filter that um, uh, goes down to the 0. .0005 micron level. Yeah. Uh, would, would you consider that that's something that people really want to look at? How how fine of a gradation the filtration filter actually goes down to? Yeah, those uh, those zeros and, and decimal points really do matter um, because uh, most microorganisms uh, aren't going to make it past something uh, that is point zero zero four. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, point zero four microns. A micron is one. Ten thousandths of an inch, so uh, you know, micron itself is relatively small. Um, and then when you're getting down to the point zeros, as long as you have uh, something that cleans better than point zero four microns uh, for a reverse osmosis system, that's where you want to be. Great. So, so that's good stuff. Now another yes. another technology, just because we're probably going to run short on time here, I want to sure. keep moving. Technology of distillation is very important to understand. Now, there are distillers that you could purchase um, that will essentially what you're doing when you're using distillation is you're using the natural physical properties of water. Um, so, when water is in its liquid or frozen state, it carries things. When it's in its uh, gaseous state, it doesn't. Um, it will actually release all the matter that it was holding. So, um, You'll see uh, a lot of folks can see if they rinse a, a glass off in their in their tap water and just shake it off and let it sit still, the water itself will evaporate. That goes up to the clouds, but the impurities from the water they're left behind on the glass. So if you hold it up to the light, you have spots on your glass. So when water goes to a gaseous state, it releases the impurities. This is important. So distilled water that you can buy. Uh, that's a, a great way to go. A lot of folks with a lot of health problems, including kidney disease, uh, they're recommend, it's recommended by their doctors to drink distilled water. Um, so distilled water is a very good thing. Now, in a grid-down situation or grid-teetering situation, for whatever reason, if there is no way for you to get your hands on potable water and you have to refine urine, stream water, um, uh, just any sort of waste water can be reclaimed using distillation. So there are different kinds of distillers that individuals can learn how to make. And I would highly recommend that everyone familiarize themselves uh, with the different, uh, different ways of distilling their own water. Now, one is called a solar still. The solar still uses the radiation of the sun to heat up um, a closed-in space. Uh, essentially, a very simple solar still is when you were to if you were to dig a hole in the earth that is half as deep as it is wide, 
So, for example, if I were to dig a three-foot hole, I'd dig it down to be like a bowl, and at its base, it'd be about a foot and a half deep. What I would do is then place maybe some uh, some uh, black cloth, maybe some t-shirts around, in the se- and then in the center of that bowl that I've dug out of the ground, that hole, I would place a collecting vessel, maybe a cup. And then I would pour whatever wastewater or urinate on the black cloth. Um, or, or you can also uh, you can also pull weeds and, and grasses and put them in there. Anything that has any kind of water to it. And what you do is then seal it up. You seal it up with a clear plastic, um, a, a piece of clear plastic. And you uh, put stones around the outside. Make sure it's covered up with dirt so there's... There's really no airflow. And then you've, you've got this nice and taut. And then just above the collecting vessel, that little cup on the inside, just above that, you place a stone in the center so that as the heat, the radiation from the sun heats up, that it creates a greenhouse effect. Um, and as it heats up the water and the water evaporates from whatever kind of dirty water it was, it will evaporate and then get caught on the plastic and the weight of the stone pulls the plastic, uh, points the water flow down into the cup. So after a whole day, uh, you, you know, you can make several of these and you can actually have a significant amount of drinking water, uh, from the distillation process. Another simple way to do that. If you were to take, uh, and this is a great experiment, just you can, anybody can do this at home right now. Uh, take a, a, a teapot, uh, place a glass, preferably a taller glass, uh, over top of the spout. Bring the water to a boil, and as the steam comes out, it will touch the glass and it will begin to condense again. And then have another uh, uh, a cup or something to collect that water that comes out from the inverted glass. So that's got three parts to it. It's got the... the, the at the end result, the clean water glass, it's got the glass that is uh, collecting the steam, and then it's got the teapot. So in the teapot, you can put all sorts of dirty water, but in the, at the end of the day, all that you're going to get through the distillation process is H2O. So that will also remove radioactive contaminants, whether it's uh, the radioactive iodine-131 from uh, radium, uh, from or stromium from uh, Fukushima, or if you live near a nuclear power plant, if there's ever any sort of a meltdown. Also, chemotherapy uh, patients, they're always excreting radioactive Water distillation, a very critical skill to understand and practice for yourself. We'll be right back with more from Fernando Salguero, and we will open up the phone lines in this hour. Stay with us, folks. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network. We're back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Let me give the call-in numbers once again for anyone that wants to call in and ask any questions of Fernando. The call-in number is 866-841-1065. Once again, 
866-841-1065. Fernando, you were uh, wrapping up with water distillation. Was there anything further you wanted to say on that? <clears throat> well, uh, there are strengths and weaknesses of both reverse osmosis and distillation. Um, the the uh, the simple distillation process, the, the solar still is what I just described uh, for digging the hole, and then there's the uh, then there's the uh, stove top. Now, both of those require a significant amount of time and energy uh, to uh, to procure clean water at the end of the day, which may be necessary depending on whether or not you're in uh, depending on what the state of your quote unquote survival situation may be. Um, the downside of reverse osmosis is that it has to be pressurized. So if for any reason the taps stop flowing, if the water companies, for whatever reason, do not provide water to flow out of your faucet, um, then, you know, there are different uh, modifications you can do to pressurize a, a reverse osmosis system, but they do need pressure in order to function. Um if you were to take an RO membrane, uh, that end filter that they use, if you were to unfurl it and, and maybe uh, stretch it between your arms to make a, 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 a little bit of a pool, if you poured water on top of that, the water would just sit. The water would not seep through. But if you were to fold it over and over and then squeeze it, then the water would be squeezed through the membrane. So it definitely needs pressure in order to function. Um, and really, people are just kidding themselves with anything else, uh, be it Big Berkey or Brita or fridge filters. Or, you know, a lot of folks will say, oh, it's good enough. And the other thing, too, is also the immune system and the excretory system that we have developed. Our DNA uh, does an excellent job of dealing with a wide variety of contaminants. So... Um, I know right now you're going through this uh, great super juice diet, and I, I know you've been vegetarian for a few years now. Yes. Um, but you've had more than your fair share of Wendy's hamburgers in the past. <laughs> oh, you know it. <laughs> I do know it. <laughs> I'm going through my own issues and, and, and figuring out my own way in this world in, in that respect. Um, sure. But the, but the fact is that we are resilient creatures. That's right. And so... You know, for all the, the what seems maybe like a little doomsday-ish, you know, all the pharmaceuticals in the water, everybody's peeing out the, 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 the radium and whatever it is. Uh, these are real issues that we should be mindful of, and we should be mindful of carcinogenic and mutagenic substances. Um, but not, not to a point where we live in a bubble and we're frozen by uh, fear uh, into inaction, because that's, that's the worst thing, to not do anything. Um, so we, we, we ought to have a, a healthy balance of understanding what the risks and the benefits are, uh, for, uh, for, for, for doing nothing and as well as for, uh, for, for going ahead and, uh, setting up a reverse osmosis system, ideally. Exactly. Now, Fernando, you mentioned uh, the juice fast that Barb and I are on. This is day eight of it, and it is going extremely well. We have great energy. We've stuck to it, and uh, it's definitely opened up a lot of different areas for exploration, and it's definitely shown us uh, psychologically how much we are addicted to certain kinds of food and even the ritual and the process of eating in general. Um, but it shows us that the nutrient density 
in juicing that we get from the water that is actually distilled by nature itself within the plant kingdom uh, really has all of the nutrient density that the body needs to survive on a day-to-day -day basis. So it's been an incredible learning experience. It is the first fast I have ever been on in my life. So um, this is the first time, and uh, you know, most people will do a one or two day fast. I, we just jumped right in and did a 10 day juice fast. This is day eight. We have two days left. It's going very well. I thanks. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, re reminding uh, everyone of that, and uh, you know, for the support uh, in regards to that. But um, I mean, I, we do have. I, yes, I gave you your last your last solid meal. Uh, that's there's right. Actually, there's actually a question that's come up on the online chat. I'd like to respond to. If that's sure. All. I was actually just going to pose that. Uh, uh, a, a chatter is asking, "What is the best way to yes. store water?" So, would you address that? Sure. Okay. Now, uh, when can you hear me? Okay. Yes, I can. Okay. Uh, when storing water, uh, there are a couple things you want to bear in mind. Uh, one is if you're storing water, it's for a rainy day. For whatever reason, the taps are not flowing. And so you need to sustain yourself. Just remember that it took the federal government five whole days to get water to the 50,000 people that were stranded after Hurricane Katrina in the Superdome. Five days it took them to get water. Uh, so FEMA recommends... Uh, for whatever that's worth to the listeners of this show, FEMA recommends that all households in the U.S. have at least two weeks of water, food, medicine, and sanitation supplies. For storing water, there's no magic to it. Okay, Water does not decompose. Water itself does not go bad. So if it's stored properly, you can keep the microorganisms from growing in it. All right. Now, uh, storing water. Let's just say uh, most folks are going to be starting with uh, tap water that is chlorinated. You can filter out that water. You can store reverse osmosis water uh, or distilled water, um, but it's not necessary. Okay, I'm going to say that right now, and that's what I do for a living, and I talk to folks about it all the time, uh, about the benefits of cleaning their water, but the reality is that you will die much faster for... For, uh, de from dehydration in three days or so, uh, for most people in most situations, you'll die much faster of dehydration than you will of carcinogenic or mutagenic contamination, which may manifest years, decades down the road. So it's important to keep a certain balance in this. But for storing water, uh, to answer uh, Van from Florida's uh, question, um, the best thing that you can do is gather food-grade bottles, whether it's from juice or tea uh, bottles. Um, uh, don't use the, do not use the cloudy plastic one-gallon bottles. They will degrade and they will start to leak after a year or so. Uh, don't even buy them in bottled water from, from, the, from, the, from the store. Don't, if you plan to stash them for a rainy day, don't use cloudy plastic. Use clear food-grade plastic. There are different kinds of fillers that are put in there uh, that make the cloudy plastic degrade much faster. So the point is this. When filling, just bear in mind, fill up to what's called the meniscus level. You fill the water up 
one of the unusual properties of water, one of the many unusual properties, is that you can fill a cup or bottle, in this case, just to overflowing, and you'll actually see that there's a bubble of water. The water itself will actually bubble over top of the, the rim of the, uh, of the cup or the bottle that you're filling. So what you want to do is fill it to the meniscus level, um, so it's bubbled up. You want to get as much air out of the water as possible. That's really where the danger comes in. Because with air, as long as you have chlorinated water um, or very clean, uh, very clean reverse osmosis and clean bottles, is that background music coming? Yeah, that's the uh, music for this next break coming up. Hold your thought right there, and we'll pick up more on water storage after this Brilliant. break. Brilliant. Great. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening with our special guest for today, Fernando Salguero. We'll be right back after these messages. Okay, folks, we're back. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. We're talking with water purification expert Fernando Salguero on the show today. Fernando, in the last segment, you were getting into water storage and how to uh, effectively store water so that contaminants don't get in it and so that it doesn't leak and the right. types of plastic to use or not use. So you right. can pick it up from there. Okay. Uh, also, there are a number of uh, questions that are coming up from the online chat that uh, I've told folks I'm going to go ahead and try and answer them. They've asked me to answer them on hand. Absolutely. You go right okay. ahead. That's a great so, way of, of taking uh, questions. Absolutely. So to just to wrap up, there's no magic to storing water. Water doesn't go away. As long as there's an airtight, watertight seal, um, it's not going to go away. Uh, so... As long as you get as much of the air out as possible, that's ideal. If you want to go the extra step and put a little bit of chlorine bleach, uh, just a, a minuscule amount of bleach uh, for, for one gallon of water, uh, you should need more than eight drops of chlorine. Um, and that will be enough to effectively oxidize. It will kill all of the organisms if there are any. But if you already have chlorinated tap water, just store it that. That itself is shelf is self that. That itself is shelf stable. Now, another question that's come up, what about food grade fifty five gallon drums? Is that a good way to store water? Absolutely. Uh, yes it is. Um, that's what I that's what I do. Me personally, I have a year of water without having to look externally. I can take care of my family for at least one year and all of their hydration needs without having to look to rainwater gathering or any sort of purification. Um, that's what I use for the bulk of my stash. The, another question that's come up is what about BPA, by bisphenol A, which is a chemical additive uh, in the plastic that mimics estrogen. It's related to um, uh, cervical cancer and breast cancer in women. It's related to lower testosterone levels from early childhood exposure in men. So men usually come up with lower testosterone, about 70% or so of their, what their natural testosterone levels could and should be. Um, so that my, my response to that, what about the BPA of plastics? Uh, it's an acceptable risk. Uh, again, you have to keep things in perspective. And if you're preparing for any level of an emergency, whether it's a hurricane, an earthquake, 
um, uh, terrorist attack, Chinese hackers that shut down the grid system on the East Coast or wherever. It doesn't matter. For whatever reason, if the tap stops flowing, you need to hydrate. Even if it's relatively dirty water, it's still going to keep you alive and you have your immune system and your excretory system working for you. So that's one question. And now another person brought up a, a question about um, uh, benzene and other chemicals that are used in fracking. For those of you who don't know, an issue that's going on across the country right now is hydraulic fracking. That is when uh, um, natural gas companies uh, buy the rights to drill down deep into a mountain and force pressurized water in over 300 different chemicals. Uh, and what they do is they actually collect the natural gas from little pockets on the surface. They collect it on the surface, but they've permanently destroyed the water table. Uh, they've permanently put these chemicals in. Um, unfortunately, there are some of those chemicals used in the fracking process that cannot be removed by any means of filtration known to humankind, other than distillation, which is not truly filtration. Uh, reverse osmosis filters, um, the, the, the membranes are actually a fine polymer plastic, and they will melt when they come in contact with some of the fracking materials with some of the fracking chemicals. So anyone who lives in a fracking area is probably aware of a lot of these things that I'm talking about. Uh, but fracking may be uh, something that sickens us on a genocidal level over a long term. We shall see. Uh, that's a big issue in, in Pennsylvania right now, and, and I know uh, many parts of uh, many parts of the country. Absolutely. I was going to say Pennsylvania is one of the places where fracking is going on the most, particularly in northern Pennsylvania. So, um, Fernando, here's another I just, one. Here's I just, another one yeah, that's, sure. that's been asked. Um, the, the, someone's talked about silver. Silver, the metal silver, has a number of very interesting properties, including the fact that it's a natural disinfectant. It's what's called bacteriostatic. So many carbon filters have their, they are silver impregnated. They're, they're soaked in silver nitrate. And what that will do is that will allow the carbon filters to absorb things like chlorine and chloramine, but will not enable bacteria to live and grow in the filter itself. Um, back in the old days, back during the Depression, uh, when people had milk deliveries, they would put a silver dollar into the bottom of the milk jar to keep the, uh, the microorganisms from growing. Um, so silver is a very powerful way to disinfect water. Um, you can use colloidal silver. You can also manufacture your own colloidal silver, and it's an excellent way to purge microorganisms, unwanted microorganisms from your from your body, silver uh, bacteria, um, colloidal silver has personally impacted me in a very positive way. Uh, not directly related to the water, but um, uh, silver is a is a very powerful uh, uh, tool that we have at this point in time in space. Fernando, you have another uh, question? Mark? Yeah, we do have another question. Uh, but before that, I just wanted to reiterate. Uh, to clarify for some of the listeners, when you were talking about you know adding a possible into the st the storage water when you're storing water, 
uh, a little bit of chlorine bleach. We're talking about for survival situations. Ideally, we want that removed in our everyday drinking water. But what you're talking about is for survival situations where you want to uh, basically take care of uh, and kill the, the, the microorganisms that may happen to be living in water that could possibly make you sick. That is a viable alternative to use that in small amounts so that you uh, basically um, uh, 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 make that potable and safe to drink uh, so that you're not going to get sick from the stored water that you're drinking. That's correct. And again, if it's tap water that's already chlorinated, you're probably best off just storing it that way. And while that may seem counterintuitive, um, all things being equal, uh, if, you, if you take things into account, all the different situations, uh, you're going to be better off with that than nothing at all. Right. Okay. So uh, we do have a question from our mutual friend, uh, Walt. Uh, Walter Rhodes was once a guest on What on Earth is Happening, and he has a question for you. Go ahead, Walt. Hey, Fernando. What's up, brother? Um, if you're in a uh, survival situation where the only kind of water you can access is uh, dirty, mucky, stagnant water, how much... Um, how much bleach would you have to add to a gallon's worth of water and how long would you have to wait before being able to drink it? Great question. Um, first off, there are things that you can do. The more, uh, the more uh, particulates that you can remove, little bits of grass and dirt and wood, uh, because you won't see them, but all those, every little bit of particulate that you can take out is... Um, refuge that microorganisms will not have so the more the finer you can filter that out the better whether you're using a t-shirt or some cheesecloth um, uh, refine that water as best as you can and then from there um, for one gallon of uh, one gallon of water it should be one teaspoon of bleach and that should be allowed to set for at least 30 minutes that's very important um, that you make sure you give, and I'm glad that you brought that up, Walt, because um, I've made that mistake before, and a lot of people have, not giving chlorine enough time to kill the organisms. And it doesn't have to be just chlorine. You can also use iodine. Uh, there are different kinds of iodine, iodine for campers and hikers. You can buy little tablets uh, that, will, um, that will also kill the organisms. But still, you should give it 30 minutes. Otherwise, you know, you can be dealing with those gastrointestinal issues. Someone in the chat brought up something called GSE for uh, uh, killing parasites in water. Um, do you know anything about that? GSE. Does not ring a bell. If I had it, maybe if I heard it through a different name, I might understand, but I've never heard of GSE. Okay. So uh, to reiterate, it's, it's critically important to wait uh, a certain amount of time if you're going to add some kind of a, a bleach or chlorine derivative to the water in order to uh, kill the parasites and the microorganisms that exist in, in uh, dirty or stagnant water. Yeah, I'll share my story very quickly because mm -hmm. this, this really illustrates the whole picture. Um, I, uh, my pool in my backyard, my family and I, it was uh, a couple years ago in August, We'd gone away. I forgot to put the cover on the pool. We had some storms. Come back. Everything's green and got like 
little bugs and lots of stuff in there. Fernando, hold it right there. We're coming up to the last break. Continue with this uh, anecdote on the other side of the break in the last segment. And then I want to talk to you a little bit about survival, which is your main forte. And we'll pro- probably uh, want to bring you on the show again in the, in the future to talk about survival skills. So we're talking with water purification expert Fernando Salguero. We'll be right back for the last segment after these words. Welcome back, everyone. This is the final segment for this edition of What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We're talking today with water purification expert, Fernando Salguero. And Fernando, you were just going into a uh, personal anecdote about uh, pool water that you had dealt with. Silver, the role of silver and the role of uh, chlorine in organisms. Yes. So I had allowed my pool, because I'd gone away over the summer, I'd allowed my pool to go all skunky and green. So it got time uh, to clean it out. Uh, so I poured the, a, a, a bag of pool shock in, which is uh, complex chlorine. And after about five minutes, I mixed it around. And then I got in with the, with the uh, net, and I began to swim around. And, and it was actually it was a hot night. And it felt good. And so I, I walked around with the net, and I'm scooping out little bits of leaves and such. Um, about a couple days later, um, I noticed these little tiny white spots popping up, mostly on my lower half, uh, where I had more contact with the water. Um, after about two weeks, I was covered, especially on my lower half, by what's called hot tub folliculitis. It's an, a particular bacteria that infects um, hair follicles. And so all over my feet, legs, stomach, chest, uh, the, the, my hands and, and wrists, and, uh, oh, God, oh, my scrotum, I was loaded with these very painful um, pus packs uh, coming out of my, um, these infections, coming out of my hair follicles. Um, I went to several different, uh, mainstream doctors. Uh, they gave me, uh, prescriptions for antibiotics that never did anything to cure the, the, the sickness. Um, and, and after years of going to these doctors, um, I went and took it into my own hands and I found colloidal silver and colloidal silver knocked it out like no antibiotic ever could. Um, and so uh, I have not had any of those issues with folliculitis uh, for a few years now. But that was, uh, that was an important lesson. I'm glad Walt brought up about, you know, the amount of time uh, allowed. I should have allowed 30 minutes, and I would have saved myself a tremendous volume of pain. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, are there any other questions in the chat that you might want to take? If not, uh, I wanted to uh, basically talk about Survive and Thrive a little bit. Yeah, let's uh, let's go on to survive and thrive. Okay, so um, this Which is you, your your you skill share that you have put together here in Philadelphia, and uh, why don't you tell people a little bit about what it is, what you do there, and uh, how they might want to get involved if they're in this region. Okay, well, I, I will mention uh, that you are an assistant organizer for Survive and Thrive, yes. and I'm also going to tell the public that you are one of the inspirations for Survive and Thrive. 
um, as I watch you put together your What on Earth is Happening um, um, uh, presentation, and you actually gave one of your first presentations in my living room. That's right. Um, as I watched your uh, drive to uh, get information into the hearts and minds of people while still had time to make change, um, uh, that, was, that, was, uh, the, that planted a seed. And later, that seed really germinated when I was doing some important medicine work with dimethyltryptamine. Uh, myself, I follow a more shamanic path uh, of understanding the physical and metaphysical worlds and their relations. Um, and I was given a very powerful, powerful vision of creating a... I'd been a closet, a closet prepper all of my life. I've always been ready for blips and whatever, disruptions. Um, but I'd always been very quiet about it, never shared that information with, with anyone around me, uh, except my immediate family. Um, so this medicine work, I was given a vision of empowering the feminine aspect of our culture. Um, I saw visions of single mothers being able to provide water for their thirsting children. Um, uh, pictures of women being able to care for elder, elderly parents um, in, in, in uh, grid-down and grid-teetering situations. Uh, so I started Survive and Thrive uh, with the help of you and Barb and a number of others. We are now pushing about 600 members. It's a skill-sharing collective uh, made up of a wide variety of folks. Um, and we all come in and we all learn and we all teach. Well, not all of us teach. Uh, but so we teach everything from understanding uh, basics of natural law and sovereignty in relation to your own survival. Own your DNA. Own yourself. Resist enslavement through various means that include uh, the, the, the GMO or what else gets put into your body. Uh, there, there are a lot of things like that we touch on. Um, we also talk about the basics of how to purify water, how to gather it, how to find it. Um, fire, how to heat your home without the grid, uh, how to uh, start fires with no matches, how to use alcohol as an alternative fuel, which creates no carbon monoxide if you burn alcohol in a closed-in space. Uh, we teach um, uh, wildland survival skills, how to make traps and snares, uh, how, to, how to do fishing uh, in, in different ways. Um, so really just a wide gamut of uh, survival skills, grid-down skills. Uh, we do sheltering in place. We do uh, understanding hazmat. I am also a Montgomery County, uh, Pennsylvania firefighter. I've been a firefighter since 2002. I'm a well-trained firefighter, so I try to pass a lot of my hazmat training along to folks, a lot of my basic fire training. That includes ropes and knots and... Um, uh, how to deal with a wide variety of situations. Uh, so we deal, uh, Survive and Thrive is always free. There's no profit ever. Um, and we really do help a lot of people. We have meetings that are once or twice a month. Uh, the next one is a wild foods and medicinal um, tour uh, for our plant and uh, tree identification. Uh, so we do a lot of uh, wild foods identification, uh, uh, growing food in small spaces, how to store food by canning or jerking or uh, different methods of drying, how to grow sprouts, 
growing sprouts right there, so simple and can make the difference between life and death. I mean, sprouting just for using a juicer. That's uh, right. As a matter of fact, I just uh, did uh, sprouts in the juices that we made on this fast. And sprouts are high protein. They're high nutrient density foods. Uh, people should definitely look into sprouts. It's something I haven't mentioned much, but we're going to talk about them. And it's an excellent survival strategy. If one has the, uh, the, uh, the functional instinct for self-preservation, which not everyone does, and that's okay. It's okay to check out. But for those who are not willing to check out without a fight, um, it's an excellent survival strategy. You know, you talk a lot about a lot of different things. And one of the things I respect about you and your work, Mark, is the esoteric um, bigger picture. Uh, yes. When I talk to other people about you and your website, um, I tell them how you and I met at a 9-11 Truth meeting on Easter Sunday a few That's years right. And... I tell them that when I met Mark Passio, I already had a lot of the dots and I had them connected in some way, but you pointed to me some outlying dots in the big picture and then connected them all with a sacred geometric pattern that made perfect sense. So that's really, um, that's, uh, I think that that right there, the freedom of consciousness is probably the most important thing we have going for us. But there are those that are out to enslave us, and I personally believe that there is a there are hard and soft kill operations. Soft kill operations in the form of small, steady ways that sicken us, weaken our wills, and deteriorate our health. Hard kill operations are more direct blood sacrifice, uh, more direct war um, that uh, that are enacted by powers that be. In, uh, groups, entities uh, that are uh, bent on manipulation uh, through for malevolent means. So anything that I can do to help raise people's consciousness, uh, help you do your work, help others do their work, as long as you know it's it, it's it's moving in the same direction. I'm uh, I'm 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 dedicated to uh, living the rest of my life that way. Fernando, that is phenomenal. And unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this edition. Thanks so much for being a great guest on What on Earth is Happening. We'll be sure to bring you back to talk about survival skills on a future show. Ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to check out Survive and Thrive. Meetup.com slash Survive and Thrive Philadelphia Region. Put dashes in between those words, okay? Or just search for Survive and Thrive on Meetup.com. That's all we have time for this week, folks. We'll see you next week right here on What on Earth is Happening. Stick around. Chris Everard is up next. Across the sands of time. From